the mighty to the small, the glory in them all is God's and God's alone. God and God alone reveals the truth of all we call unknown. And all the best since Sunday that Brother Black's been with us, and it's almost, it's just hard to believe that it's already Wednesday. When we kicked things off Sunday, we thought, wow, we got a kind of a long week ahead with Brother Black being with us each night, but here we are already, Wednesday night. And uh, boy, I've enjoyed having him with us. He's just a, a godly man, and he's doing a great job for the Lord. Again, he travels all over the place, and we're just so honored to have him with us these last few days, and looking forward to what God's going to put on his heart tonight. Let's open up our hearts and let God speak to us tonight. Brother Black, you come. Try to sing one for you. Again, this is one of Debbie's. And uh, she wrote this song, uh, I think it was about 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And uh, I, I I think it'll be a blessing to you. When we face the loss of someone very dear, 
Though we try to be strong, we still shed many tears. But if our loved one knew the Lord before departure day, and if he could send a message, this is what he'd say. I have just begun to live, at last these eyes can truly see. From sin and shame unshackled, from death forever free, I can look upon the face of our loving Lamb of Grace. No need for tears of grief, I have joy beyond belief, and I have just begun to live. One day you may hear that I am dead and gone. Let me tell you now, my friend, I still live on. I've only changed my residence to heaven's mansion fair. And if you listen closely, I'll call from over there. I have just begun to live, at last these eyes can truly see. From sin and shame unshackled, from death forever free. I can look upon the face of our loving Lamb of Grace. No need for tears of grief. I have joy beyond belief, and I have just begun. Thanks to God's dear Son, I have just begun to live. I'm so thankful that I know where I'm going. Amen? <clears throat> I just felt led to sing another one here for you. Gonna, now this is, this is not one of Debbie's, but I trust it will be a blessing to you. It's just been on my heart here lately. Unworthy am I of the grace that He gave, unworthy to hold to His hand. Amazed that a king would reach down to a slave, this love I cannot understand. Unworthy, unworthy, a beggar in bondage and alone, but he made me worthy, and now by his grace, his mercy has made me his own. 
my sorrow and sickness laid stripes on his back. My sins caused the blood that was shed. My faults and my failures have woven a crown of thorns that he wore on his head. Unworthy, unworthy, a beggar in bondage and alone, but he made me worthy, and now by his grace, his mercy has made me his own. Unworthy am I of the glory to come, unworthy with angels to sing. I thrill just to know that he loved me so much. A pauper, I walk with the king, unworthy, unworthy. A beggar in bondage and alone, but he made me worthy, and now by his grace, his mercy has made me his own. I've got to tell you, God has been so so good to me, so kind to me. I, I don't deserve it. I, I feel so unworthy. Uh, I feel unworthy to serve Him at all, to, to stand in this pulpit tonight, uh, to, to talk about heaven as, as my home. And, oh, it, it, we could go on and on and on. Uh, but I'm just overwhelmed by the goodness of God. If you would, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 40. This is not what I wanted to preach tonight, I'll just be honest with you. I had a message in mind and was, was all excited about preaching it, but I, the Lord wouldn't give me a piece about it. And, uh, just a couple days ago, He started putting this message on my heart and, and I was leading this direction. So I trust it will be a help to somebody tonight. Genesis chapter 40, and uh, we're going to begin in the first verse, Genesis chapter 40. If you have your place in the Scriptures under Abel... Uh, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Genesis 40 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they, continu and they continued a season in ward. Verse 5, And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Then they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. 
And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong unto God? Tell me them, I pray you. Look again at, at, uh, at verse 7. He asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of the Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look you so sadly today? We all experience times of sadness in our lives, amen? It comes. You know, we, things happen, and, uh, and our, our hearts fall, and we think, oh, tears might begin to flow, and it, it happens. It happens. But <laughs> praise God, as a Christian, we don't need to stay there, amen? The title of the message tonight, When Sadness Comes Our Way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight again for your love. Lord, we thank you for the way that you lift us up when we're sad. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us. And oh, Lord, I pray that you'd just reach down and give everyone a hug from heaven tonight. Lord, I don't know what's on these folks' hearts. I don't know if they may be experiencing times of sadness even right this, this very moment. But Lord, there's got to be a reason why you want me to preach this tonight. Lord, I just pray that you'd be especially close to these folks tonight. Now help me, Lord, I need you. I just want to be a blessing to these folks, and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Well, first I want to take a look at some things through Scripture that make us sad. A lot of things can make us sad, and, and this won't be a, a, an all-exhaustive list, but some things I saw in the Word of God that, that can cause sadness in our, in our lives. And, and, uh, and, then, and then, secondly, we'll look at, at how, as a Christian, that we can rise above that sadness. Amen? We can overcome the sadness, the sad times uh, in our lives. Now, now things, that, things that make us sad. David asked, asked I, I mean, I'm sorry, um, uh, Joseph. Joseph asked those, those two fellows, wherefore look you so sadly today? Or why, why are you sad? What, what, what's making you sad? And so that's, that's what we want to look at. Uh, what, what, what makes us sad? Things that, things that make us uh, sad. The first one I want to notice is right there in our, in our text, a, a lack of understanding. You see, they didn't understand their dreams. Uh, they, didn't understand, they didn't understand the dream that they had, and just a lack of understanding bothered them. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the meaning of the dream because they didn't know the meaning yet. It wasn't the interpretation because uh, they were sad that there was no interpretation for them at that, mo at that moment. Uh, but just the fact that they didn't understand what the dream meant, they believed that there was a significance of that dream, but they didn't know what it meant. A and they came in looking sad and, and Joseph noticed and, and, uh, and he, he tries, to, tries to help them out just a little bit. Uh, I'll tell you, there are some things that I don't understand. Are, are there things that y'all don't understand too? Uh, I, I'd say we'd probably all have to vote yes on that one. Amen. <laughs> there have been a lot of things along the way that I don't understand. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you one right now that's right on, on my mind. Just, just sang about it here a little while ago. Uh, you know, uh, the Lord took my wife home. And I knew he had the ability to heal her. And I asked her to heal her. And so many folks asked. You all were praying for her. And, and, and why, Lord? I, I don't know why. 
Well, I got to trust him, but I, I, I don't, I don't, it's something I don't understand. Uh, I, I know he did right. I, I'm not angry with God. I'm not bitter against God because I trust that he made the right decision. But I don't understand why that was his decision. Uh, I don't understand a lot of things along the way. Uh, problems that come up. Uh, how, how many times you, you have a flat tire when you got to get to work or, or when you got to get to church? The, uh, the timing. Why, Lord? <laughs> I wasn't going to do something bad. Why'd you give me a flat tire now? I don't understand. <laughs> and those kind of things can make a sense. How many times you're reading through the scripture and all oh, this happens, this happens all the time. If you'll stay in the book, it's going to happen. There'll be something you'll read and you'll say, I don't understand that. <laughs> oh my, it happens. <clears throat> and there'll be times you're reading along there and you'll find something. Oh, that's good. That's good. I get it. And then, and then next week you're reading something else and say, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now it said this back a, a few pages back where I was reading or a few chapters back or, or in another book, it said this. And now this, this looks like a contradiction. Why, the King James Bible can't be true. Oh, yes, it can be true. <laughs> I just don't understand. And I'll tell you what I do. This is just, just a thought for you. What I do when I find those places that, that appear, I call them apparent contradictions because there are no contradictions in your King James Bible. There are none. But when I see something that looks like a contradiction to me, I take a pencil, not a pen. I take a pencil and I put a little question mark there. And that means every time I come by that, every time I read through that passage, I see that question mark and I'll say, Lord, would you reveal to me what you mean here? Because obviously I'm not getting something. There's something I'm not understanding. And, and, and eventually I can take the pencil and flip it over and erase the question mark when God answers the question. Amen? Don't write it in ink. <laughs> you never know when God will answer the question for you. But sometimes there's things along the way that we don't understand. And, and they, can, they can make us sad. But I am so glad. Psalm 147 and verse 5. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. If I don't understand it, it's okay. I know he does. Amen. And then uh, go with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Another thing that will cause sadness in our lives. Genesis 4 and verse 3. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Or in other words, he was sad. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance falling? If thou dost well, shalt thou be, not be accepted. And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, um, <clears throat> jealousy. Jealousy will bring sadness into your life. In this case, I, <clears throat> Cain and Abel, they, they, they both brought an offering to the Lord. All right, now I, I, and, and Cain, was, Cain was jealous of, of his brother. Cain, Cain worked, Cain, to be honest with you, Cain probably worked harder to provide his offering than his brother Abel did. 
All his brother Abel had to do was, was, was throw a little bit of corn and hay to, his, to, to the flock, you know, whatever he fed them, and, uh, and keep an eye on them and keep the, keep the lions away and that sort of thing, and, and, uh, and, and they grew on their own. Now, now, Cain, on the other hand, he had to work. He had to till the ground, and he had to, he had to plant the seed, and, and, but, but he, brought, he brought an offering of his hands, the work of his hands for God, and God wasn't pleased. God didn't accept that offering. And can I tell you tonight, God's not going to accept your offering if you bring an offering of works to the Lord for salvation either. He, he knew a blood had to be shed. His daddy taught him that. He knew. How do you think his brother knew? He knew. But he thought better. He thought, I can work my way to heaven. I can please God by getting baptized, by putting an offering in the plate by living a good life, by helping the little old lady across the street. You know what I'm trying to say? No, 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 blood's got to be shed. But he was jealous of his brother, and, and it made him, made him sad. Uh, over in, in 1 Kings chapter 21, you don't have to turn to it, but, but King Ahab was, was jealous of Naboth. Uh, you see, Naboth had a better vineyard than Ahab had. And, and Naboth, Naboth I, I, he, had, he had a wonderful vineyard, and, and Ahab goes to him and says, Hey, would you sell me your vineyard? I'll trade, I'll, we'll, we'll trade, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you extra money, I'll, I'll, I'll give you whatever it's worth to you. I, I want to buy your vineyard. And he says, No, I can't do that. There was a godly principle, and we're not going to get into that tonight, uh, but, but I, <clears throat> he was living by, Naboth was living by godly principles and, and could not sell the principle. Sell the, sell the vineyard. So, uh, of course, you know Jezebel uh, has him killed and then delivers the vineyard to Ahab and uh, what a mess that was. But, uh, but it was jealousy. Jealousy made him sad and, and his, his wife says, uh, she, she says, why, why, why are you sad, king? Why, you're the king. You can have whatever you want. She's jealous. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel 1. We're going to begin in verse 4. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Well, Hannah goes to the house of God and, and she prays. Eli the priest He's observing, sees her at the altar praying, and, and by the way, she came to the house of God and prayed at an altar. I think we talked about that a couple days ago, didn't we? Good, good place to come when you have a burden on your heart, amen? So she brought the burden to the altar, and she was, she was praying to the Lord uh, because she couldn't have, she couldn't have children. And uh, let's, uh, by the way, Eli, Eli doesn't understand. He, he thinks she's drunk because he sees her mouth moving but doesn't hear her saying anything. And, but look at, look at verse 15. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And notice, and her countenance was no more sad. 
Her countenance was no more sad. Unfulfilled dreams can bring sadness into our hearts. She had a dream of, of, of bearing her husband a man-child. She had a dream of having children. And so many, so many ladies, possibly some of you here tonight, have that dream and have not been able to have children. I, I, I've never experienced that. My wife was, was always able to bear children. But my daughter has a hard time. And it's tough. And all sorts of unfulfilled dreams can, can actually, actually cause sadness in our lives. I want you to know something about this particular, this particular situation. Uh, I want you to notice when the, when the sadness, where the sadness went away. Look at, look at verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Notice after she believed the man of God, her, her, her sadness went away. The, the man of God says, and I, I, I believe God came upon, upon his, Eli's heart that day. I believe the, the Spirit of God spoke to Eli and says, you, you tell that woman it's going to be okay. I heard her prayer. A lot of times God speaks through the preacher. And, and okay, let's, let's back up a little bit. That's one of those things that we may not understand, but we believe it, okay? Sometimes God speaks through the preacher, and God spoke through the preacher that day, and the preacher relayed the message to the, to the dear lady and says, you go, you go ahead and go, it'll be okay. And she got up, and she was no more sad. She got something to eat and went on her way, amen? You believe the man of God, he'll help you, okay? A lot of times your sadness will go away if you'll just, you'll just believe the man of God. But as, as I mentioned, there, there are so many things, uh, that, that, uh, unfulfilled dreams that we have that can bring sadness into our, into our lives. I just want to share a poem with you that, uh, that Debbie wrote uh, back about 15 years ago. And uh, maybe, it'll, maybe it'll be a blessing to you uh, regarding those things that, uh, that are unfulfilled dreams in our heart. It's entitled, Just Beyond My Reach. There have been so many things I thought I'd like to do, noble, sweet ambitions, and soon my musings grew. They blossomed into lovely dreams of actions, song, and speech. But my heart was disappointed. They were just beyond my reach. In the garden of my dreams are flowers of every hue, so fragrant and alluring, but are they right and true? Please come into my garden, Lord, and pull each selfish bloom that I might have the best of dreams, a dream that's straight from you. There is one who knows me well, yet loved me from the start. He is the Rose of Sharon who lives within my heart. And when I'm disappointed over a lofty dream for me, I'll think about my Savior whose dream was Calvary. So if there's some flowery dreams fulfillment I don't see, I'll trust my Heavenly Father to know what's best for me. And when I see my Savior's face and worship at His feet, I'll never have another dream that's just beyond my reach. Just beyond my reach, I could not understand why the Lord prevented what seemed the best of plans. I gaze into my empty hands and fall upon my knees. And in that time of stillness, my Father speaks to me. There were reasons that those dreams of mine, such lovely plans within my mind, were plucked because of loving grace and by wiser hands moved to a place that was just beyond my reach. Trust the Lord with those dreams. Amen. He, he, he understands. 
he, he knows what's going on. You, you, got, you, got to, you got to trust him. So unfulfilled dreams, and, and uh, certainly there are some things that, uh, that, that we've had and possibly have in our lives today, dreams, things we'd like to do for the Lord, good, good, God-honoring things, but for some reason they're just beyond our reach, and uh, it can cause sadness. We're going we're to see how to get rid of that sadness here in just a little while. Go to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah 2. Nehemiah 2 and beginning in verse 1, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was set before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? A selfless concern for the needs of others can bring sadness into your heart. And by the way, before I go on, let me, let me back up for just a second. Uh, that poem, by the way, is, is printed in, in the book I, I wrote, When a Child of God Dies from One Grieving Heart to Another. Uh, it's on the, on the book table there if, if you'd like a copy of that poem. It is, it is in the book. Uh, but a selfless concern for the needs of others. You see, here, here Nehemiah, he heard about the condition of Jerusalem. He heard about the walls being, being broken down and the gates were burned with fire. And when he heard about it, he loved the holy city. And he says, oh no! Oh, it's so sad! And he just couldn't help but let that sadness show. And, and, and when, he, when he goes before the king, he tries his best to, 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 to be a, of, a, of a glad countenance because you don't go in front of the king in, in, with, with a sad countenance. You don't approach the king that way. It could mean your life. But he couldn't help himself. Has a burden, such a burden for Jerusalem. Well, the, the king asks him about it, and, uh, and, and praise the Lord, in this, in this case, uh, the Lord gave the king favor, uh, gave, gave Nehemiah favor in the king's eyes, and the king even helped him get to Jerusalem, gave him a leave of absence, helped provide materials and, and help and everything to go to Jerusalem and, and make a difference. But, but that, the, the, the selfless concern for the needs of others. Now, now how does that apply to us today? Uh, there are folks that we know that, well, I'll give you an example. You, you talk to somebody about the Lord, you, you hand them a gospel tract, and, and you say, Sir, would you take a minute and read this? It'll tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. And he says, nah, I don't need that stuff. Leave, leave me alone. Doesn't does that break your heart? You know that if he doesn't receive that message, he's going to hell. And very likely his whole family will. But if he just gets saved, and it breaks your heart. You turn on the news and you, and, and you, read, about, you read about America. What a mess. I mean, I think of Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem. Boy, that, that's, that's my concern for my country. And it makes us sad. 
When you try to help folks, when I'm sure the preacher experiences this on a regular basis. He preaches in the pulpit, pours his heart out to the folks, and most of you get it, but there are some that don't. And some folks just refuse to get right, refuse to do right, and he can just watch their lives deteriorate because they refuse to accept the scriptures and the preaching and the things that he knows will help them, and it makes the preacher sad. It's going to happen. There will be things that, ways you're concerned about others, and it'll, it'll bring sadness into our lives. Go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. David, of course, was a tremendous man for the Lord, man after God's own heart, but David, like the rest of us, was not quite perfect, amen? So David sins. He sins with Bathsheba, has her husband murdered. But I, I'm here to tell you that David knew how to get a hold of God and get, the, get, that, get that mess fixed, okay? Uh, he, 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 uh, he, he, he went to the altar, so to speak, amen? He got it taken care of. And here Psalm 51 gives the record of that. I just want to look at one verse. Look at verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now, now God didn't literally break his bones, but I believe that God took his joy away because of his unconfessed sin. God took the joy from his heart. And can I tell you tonight that unconfessed sin will bring sadness into your life? When you, when you make your way to the altar and you confess that sin before God and you get up and walk back to your seat, you'll feel 10 pounds lighter than you were when you came to the altar. That weight of sin will be lifted because the Lord will take that weight off of you. And you'll walk away with a spring in your step. You see, you've got it taken care of. And that's what David said. David says, Lord, I'm tired of this sadness. I'm tired of the sadness that came when I did wrong. I'm tired of the sadness that's been in my heart ever, ever since I messed up with Bathsheba. Oh, God, I'm tired of it. I want my joy back. And then instead of coming to you, God, instead of repenting, instead of getting right, I had to do something else to try to cover the sin, and I dug the hole deeper. I had an innocent man killed, one of, my, one of my mighty men. I had him killed. And his heart's breaking. There's no joy in David's heart until he repents <laughs> and the joy comes back. Amen? Oh, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin will bring sadness into our lives. Go to Matthew chapter 6. This one you'll like. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 16, Jesus is speaking here and he says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Pride 
Pride will bring sadness into your heart. These guys were sad and proud of it. <laughs> they were sad and proud of it. I mean, they, 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 they came and, and, they, and, they, and they says, Oh, oh, so hungry. Can you hear my stomach growling? I haven't eaten, I haven't eaten all day. Well, I'm doing it for the Lord, you know. I mean, I love him so much. And they just want everybody to see how spiritual they were or how spiritual they thought they were. <laughs> whatever, whatever measure of spirituality they had, they blew it. They blew it that night. I mean, it was gone. Because <laughs> they were parading their, their spirituality. They want everybody to see how spiritual they were. And it was pride. It was pride. Okay, so they made themselves sad on purpose so they could have a good appearance in front of everybody else. All right, now, oh, there's, that's one, 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 one bit of sadness that you don't need in your life. No, no, no excuse for that one, okay? Uh, John chapter 11. John 11. Verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping. The death of a friend or loved one can bring sadness into your life. I know. And most of you have experienced that as well. It's tough. Jesus saw them weeping. Their friend, their, their brother had died. And they were sad. They were sad. And then as we, as we read on, and he said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, with Jesus, I, I don't believe it was the death of a friend or loved one that made Jesus weep. Honestly, I believe it goes back to a previous point, the selfless concern for the needs of others. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. Jesus knew that Lazarus, for all practical purposes, wasn't dead. I mean, he was dead, but, but he was coming back. Amen? Jesus knew that. But he saw all the others and how they, they didn't really believe who he was, didn't believe the power that he had. And I believe it was a concern for those around him, a concern for those that, that were brokenhearted, and, and, and on, on it would go. Well, anyway, a, a death of a friend or loved one can cause sadness in your life. Now, so many things that can cause sadness, but what, what do we do? What do we do when, when, when that emotion comes over us and, and it kind of ruins our day and if we're not careful, it'll ruin the week and, and it'll ruin the month and, and some folks never recover. They never recover from sadness. Christian, that should not be us. That should not be us. We ought to live a victorious life. We can overcome sadness. Go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Psalm 42, and look at verse 11. 
Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Soul, when you're cast down, hope in God. And, and, and notice, notice, notice what he says, I shall yet praise him. Even when I'm sad, my God is worthy of praise. He's always good. I think we talked about that a couple days ago. God is good all the time. Amen? He's always good, so He's always worthy of my praise. Regardless of what happened in my life, regardless of what made me sad, He is worthy to be praised. And so I praise Him in my sadness. Amen? I can thank God even in the sad moments. I, can th- I may not be able to thank Him there's a message I preach, I, 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 I may not be able to thank him uh, for the storm, but I can thank him in the storm. Amen. We can, we can always thank the Lord. We can always praise the Lord. But note, notice what else he says here. For I shall yet praise him, speaking of God, who is the health of my countenance and my God. He's the health of my countenance. When I'm sad... My countenance is sick. When I'm sad, my countenance is unhealthy. And, and, and how do I make my countenance healthy? I go to God. He is the health of my countenance. Amen? <clears throat> when, 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 you're, when you're sick, when you, when you got the flu, what do you do? You, you go to the doctor or the drugstore or something. You get some medicine for it because you want to be healthy again. You, you want that sickness to go away. When, 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 you got, uh, uh, when you got arthritis and, and uh, you know, you, you try things that'll doctor, it'll help that. You might go to the chiropractor or what, you know, whatever. You, you want to be healthy again. Nobody wants to be sick. Well, when my countenance is sick, I got to get healthy. I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to have a sick countenance. So I, so I go to the one who can fix my countenance. The great physician can heal my countenance and make it better. He is the health of my countenance. He is the source of, of joy in my, in my life. Amen? Now, let, let's go on down to the next psalm. Uh, drop down to verse 4. <clears throat> psalm 43 and verse 4. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Now, when I'm sad, there's an absence of joy, right? So I, got, I go to God and He's my joy. No, no, that's not what it said. I go to God and He is my exceeding joy. In other words, when I'm sad, if I go to God to, 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 to help my countenance as, as the health of my countenance, if I, go, if I go to God, I can walk away with more joy than I had before the sadness came. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. He's my exceeding joy. I mean, I had joy. I had joy, but sadness came away and robbed me of my joy. But I can have exceeding joy if I go to the Lord. He's my exceeding joy. He, he, he just takes that sadness away, amen? Uh, and then I will go unto the altar of God, unto God my... And by the way, there's that altar again. I just can't hit that enough. Folks, use the altar. Use the altar. 
Every time you come to the altar, it doesn't mean that the preacher stepped on your toes. Everybody's going to know, I'm guilty, I did what he was preaching. No, it's a, it's a place to meet with God. Amen? And, and so he goes to the altar. Amen? Uh, I will go to the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee. There's that praising God in the midst of our sorrow again. Praising God in sadness. Now, verse, verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I remember reading that just a few moments ago. Do you? But, but we weren't in Psalm 43. We were in Psalm 42. The Lord says that is so important. The Lord told David, now, my people need to see this. They need to get this concept because they're going to have an unhealthy countenance. There's going to be things come along in their lives that are going to steal their joy. And I don't want them to live there. And two's the number of witness. You put it in twice. You put it in twice, David, because they got to get it. God is the health of your countenance. If you're sad here tonight, you need God in your life. You say, well, Brother Black, I am a Christian. And my goodness, I'm here on a Wednesday night. I know, I know. You came for God, okay? Just, just, keep, just keep coming after God. Just get, stay in the book. Get all the God you can get. Uh, stay in the house of God. Listen to good Christian music. And, and get as much God as you can in your life. And, and the sadness pretty soon will, will begin to fade away. He is the health of your countenance. He want to make sure he want to make sure you got that. Uh, you can praise the Lord in the hard times. You can praise the Lord. He's the health of your countenance. Uh, he's he's our exceeding joy. Uh, go back to to uh, Genesis again. I, I want you to see something. Uh, <clears throat> go back to Genesis chapter forty. Genesis forty. Verse 6 and 7. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Now, keep in mind where they're at. They're in prison. Why is, why is, we know why the baker and the butler were there. Why was Joseph there? For living a, a clean, God-honoring life? I, I don't know how long the butler and baker had been in there, but Joseph had been in there much longer. He'd been in there so long that they, that they made him a kind of an officer in the prison. He was still a prisoner, but he had some authority there in the prison. He'd been there a long time. And he comes in and, he's, and, and he sees the butler and the baker walk in the door and they, they, come, they come walking in his direction and he can tell something's not right. Wherefore look you so sadly today? Now, now <clears throat> I would be more apt to ask if they came in kind of cheerful and chipper, I'd say, what are you guys smiling about? I mean, my goodness, we're in prison. Wipe that smile off your face. you got no reason to be happy. <laughs> no, no. Joseph doesn't appear to be sad. He says, what are you guys sad for? 
Yeah, we're in prison, but we got no reason to be sad. It struck him as odd that these guys would be sad. That speaks volumes to me. I don't know if you're getting it or not, but, but, but Joseph has every right. Hey, go back before, before he got put in prison. His brothers sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him. They had a plan. They were going to kill him. And, and one, one of the brothers had, had a little compassion and says, let's just sell him. So he sold into slavery. If anybody, if anybody has any, any right to be sad, it's Joseph. But Joseph doesn't, doesn't appear to be sad at all. Seems to me like folks that trust God and walk with Him are much less likely to be overcome by sadness. I'm not saying you won't have sadness in your life. I think we all do. If we'll be honest, we all do. But folks that walk close with the Lord, it seems are much less likely to be overcome with that sadness. I want you to see Genesis 49. I want you to see what Joseph's father had to say about him just before, uh, just before he died. Genesis 49 in, uh, in verse, uh, uh, well, Joseph gets all his, all his boys together, and, uh, and he gets them, gets them all together, and he's talking with them, and, and um, kind of looking at an overview of their life, and he's brutally honest. Look at, look at verse 5 and 6. Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, into their assembly, mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. And I mean, he goes on and, and he makes some scathing remarks about his sons here. But let's drop down to, to verse 22 and so see what he says about Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful bow even a fruitful bow by a wall, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Uh, how, how were his arms made strong? How, how were his hands made strong? By the, the hand of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. You ever get to, you ever, you ever run into a brick wall? You're trying to do right. You're trying to serve the Lord and, and you're, you're coming along and everything's going great. Everything's going great. And you're, you're, you're excited. You're thrilled. You're happy. Everything's just fine. All of a sudden, boom, something in the path. Something knocks you down. It's like, oh, no, what, what now? Come on. What do you do? Oh, well, yes, I'll go back. Or I guess I'll just sit down here and cry for a while. Oh, my goodness. Woe is me. You know, isn't that what we normally do when, 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 when circumstances stop us? Not Joseph. Joseph's father says when, when, when Joseph's come along and, and he hits a wall, his, his branches, just like a vine, it starts climbing up over the wall. The archers are shooting at him and they're trying to knock him down. They're trying to kill him. They're trying to hinder him. But no, 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 not Joseph. Oh, no, no, no. He won't be overcome by his circumstances. No, he just, 
when he gets to the wall, he just climbs over the wall. Folks, we can succeed even in the midst of trial and trouble and sorrow and heartache and sadness. We can get to that wall and go over the wall for the Lord. We don't have to be overcome. We can go on. We can go on. Joseph wouldn't let the sadness stop him. I've got I to believe. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I've got to believe that, that Joseph experienced sadness just like the rest of us do. You think he wasn't sad when he went out there just doing a, doing a little chore for his dad, checking on his brothers, and his brothers throw him in a pit? You don't think it made him sad? You don't think it was sad when he, when he, when he gets drug up out of the pit, not to be set free, but to, to be sold as a slave? You don't think it made him sad when he got put in prison and all he was doing is trying to live a godly life? Resisting the temptations of an ungodly woman? You don't think that made him sad? But Joseph is a fruitful bow. <laughs> he wasn't going to let that stop him. No one's going to let that shut him down. And now you see Joseph, the, the, the one that has a reason to be sad, he's, he's cheering up these guys. He's trying to help somebody else. We all face times of sadness. But Christian, he's the health of our countenance. Go to the Lord. He's our exceeding joy. You can get victory in the midst of your sadness. Let's stand with heads bowed. And I got to tell you tonight that I would be sad if I didn't know where I was going to spend eternity. That would make me sad. I remember those days. I remember when I was sad because I didn't know where I was going to go if I died. I, I didn't know where I'd go if the Lord came back. I, I, I didn't know, and it made me sad. But you don't have to suffer that sadness. You can get that question answered tonight. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven is your eternal home. Father in heaven, God, I pray that you'd touch each heart here tonight. Lord, if there are folks that have never been saved, give them the courage to step out of their seats and come down. Let somebody take a Bible and help them get it settled tonight. Lord, for those that may be experiencing a time of sadness in their lives, I pray they'd make their way to the altar. Talk with you about it. And Lord, have that burden lifted. God, thank you for loving us for caring for us, for being our exceeding joy, for being the health of our countenance. Heads bowed and eyes closed.